Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Welcome back inside the screening room. Glad you're here. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from MadWolf.com. Good stuff. Good stuff to talk about. So it should be fun. The screening room is a presentation of Marcus Crosswoods Theater. With a 70-foot wide ultra screen featuring Dolby Atmos surround sound and those dream lounger recliners that you love, George. Love them. Both of us like horror movies and one of us likes raunchy comedies. So we're, <laughs> we're set up pretty well this week. Let's start with the horror angle. A family is forced to live in silence while hiding from creatures that hunt by sound. Shh, a quiet place. If they hear you, they hunt you. Who are we if we can't protect them? We have to protect them. Well, this one got us, and I think it got a lot of people, as soon as you saw the trailer, because you get the premise right away. Yep. And it looked... Tense. It looks scary, and the good part is, it is both of those things. It absolutely is, and it's directed by John Krasinski from The Office, who he's made a couple of things. Not much anybody has seen. No horror films up to now. Yeah, he directed. We never watched The Office. Little no. bits of it that I've seen were were always very good, and I know it's got a lot of fans. He directed three or four episodes of that. He directed a couple smaller films, but this one obviously big budget, big on the radar for a lot of people. And boy, he he shows a nice a nice hand and a nice instinct, especially for this type for of horror. movie. Yeah, yeah, he really does. It's a creature feature, and those yep. can, it's, can those can be hard to do for a number of reasons because it's very easy to show too much of the creature and then not pay enough attention to the plotting or to the building of tension, and then of course have the creature look bad. It's, yeah. And this one is smart in a lot of angles. So, yeah, they, they don't give you really much backstory at all. I no, mean, you, they really ask it, you to just pay attention and figure yeah, it out. Yeah, I liked it because you have to look around and catch what you can, maybe a newspaper headline or something like that of what's going on. But you, you get the sense there's been some sort of alien invasion. Yep. And people have to... The few remaining survivors have managed to survive because they're very quiet. Yeah, they figured it out through, as the populations have been ravaged, that these creatures hunt by sound. And, boy, they're, they're, they're hyper, hyper-sensitive hearing, so you can hardly make any noise at all. And one of the reasons that this particular family has done well, you gather, is because their oldest daughter is deaf. So they all already know sign language. So it wasn't hard for them to make the transition. But then, you know, as long as you're paying attention, you can see that, you know, they've, they've got sand everywhere outside so that they don't make any sound when they walk. You they know, all every... have to walk barefoot. Yeah. Which, you know, that reminded me, we were talking earlier, that reminded me of Die Hard. Yeah. Because as soon as you knew that he was barefoot, you're like, oh, that's going to happen. That's going to come into play. Yeah. And these people have to walk around barefoot, not only inside, but outside, yeah. to not make noise. And that's such a sensitive part yes. of the body. It so, is. Yeah. And speaking <laughs> of sensitive parts of the body, Emily Blunt plays the mom, and she is very pregnant. Yeah, and of course, they're married in real life, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. And uh, she's you know, she's always so, so good. Yeah, she's she is remarkable in every everything, film. So it's pretty not, much everything. So it's not a surprise that no. she is just sublime in this movie. But she, you're right. Her character is, is pregnant, and so right away, you don't have to spoon-feed anything. You just present a pregnant person, you have to be quiet. All sorts of questions pop into your head. Well, how are you going to handle childbirth? Right. How are you going to handle a screaming baby? Right. And and it's it's one of the ways the movie is very, very smart, because... 
not just on the pregnancy angle, but there's a bunch of other things Basically that, everything. that you think about. And what about this? And what about this? And they know what you're thinking, and they find a way to answer it for you. Without spoon-feeding you. Right. Right. Usually it's just the camera lingers for a second on something that is in the house. That you, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a really smart yeah. movie, and, and it's directed so well. It is. Uh, and the performances are great. So Krasinski and, and Emily Blunt, both really very good. The two children... Um, Millicent, Millicent Simmons, Simmons, who is a, a young deaf actress. She was in Wonderstruck last year. She's just wonderful in this movie. Yeah. And then uh, the Noah, Noah Jupe, Jupe, who was in Wonder, and a also different movie. in Suburbicon. <laughs> right. Not many people saw that, but he's very good. All four of them, they're just wonderful. Yeah, and there's a lot, there's, you know, some family dynamics that come into play, and that's really, you could you could break the movie down into different themes. Yes, it's a creature feature, mm-hmm. and for all the people who maybe saw a film such as It Comes at Night and, and you know and didn't like it. I want something to come at night. Well here you go. Yeah, there because is something something is yeah. coming. <laughs> yeah. But you know, other themes for me, other themes crept into it too, because there's a real one very telling line in the script where she says, Who are we if we can't protect our children? Yeah. N- not to say that this was commenting on social issues, but look about what's going on right now about mm-hmm protecting our children and it could make you think about different themes and just the family and what it you know what the the very family the fabric of the family comes down to and these these parents are wondering that they're just defined by the fact that they can't protect their children or how can they continue to protect their children with this with this invasion but you could really you could use that as a metaphor for a lot of things and i think that the family relationship is without being overtly sentimental, which is nice because for me that can sink a lot of movies, especially mm-hmm. horror movies. Yep. It's very authentic and touching, yeah. you know, and you know, there's a tragedy early in the film, which is quite a gut punch and, mm. you know, and they never let go of it, which I think you wouldn't. I mean, it's really authentic, but also it's very, um, it, it gives the film a center of gravity that makes it feel more urgent and less superficial than maybe, uh, you know, other films of this sort, you know, uh, actually reminded me a little bit of a really great creature feature I love out of Korea called The Host. Mm-hmm. It's just really about a dad and this creature has taken his daughter and it's his his attempts to get her back. And, yeah. you know, I thought that the performances really nailed where these people would be in this in this family relationship given the circumstances yeah and it's it's such a on on one hand it's a very simple premise to sum up well you have to be quiet or you die but it's a it's such an easy premise for an audience to latch on to yeah and then become like oh oh as as things you you it is it is a nerve-wracking movie (laughs) it really is it is a nerve-wracking movie but you know what you'll notice when you go see it and you should is that you're going to notice every single sound that happens in that theater. That's because, right. Because there's very little noise in the movie because almost all of the dialogue is sign language. Yeah. And so you're straining to hear what's coming and what's happening. But you also hear that guy eating popcorn next to you <laughs> and that person who gets up to go to the bathroom three times. And because the movie is so silent, when they do have sound, it renders it so much more important. Yeah. It, it's almost shocking the times when they do find a way to have some dialogue, mm-hmm. it just jumps out. Oh, they're, they're talking yeah. now. It just jumps yeah. out at you because it's gone so long without it. So, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's paced well. It is very tense. I think for me, most of it was more tense than scary, but it does have some good monster scares. Some, don't, and also don't you've never given birth. 
<laughs> that was just, I mean, the, you know, it's funny because because there true, are true. a handful of horror films that really make excellent use of that, of that particular vulnerability when you are nine months pregnant. Rosemary's Baby springs to mind. And, uh, and this really does a, an amazing job of wrecking your nerves because of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So big recommendation for A Quiet Place. I, I have a feeling it's going to do well. Yes. I hope so. Next up, we'll go from scares to laughs as three parents try to stop their daughters from having sex on prom night. Blockers. Just going through the laundry, found these new thongs. Honey, Mitch, those are your daughters. I used to hold that girl in the palm of my hand. Kayla's becoming a woman. You're going to have to deal with that. Tonight is the first night of our adult lives. I want to go to prom and lose my virginity. <laughs> prom night. It's kind of perfect. I'm in. Our girls are not thinking things through. I'm going to stop them. I'm in. Well, if you've seen the posters for this, you know there's a, above the word blockers, there's a silhouette of a rooster. Yes. So uh, (laughs) it actually took me, remember, I think when we first saw it, um, it took me a minute to get it. Which is funny because usually you are all over that kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. I do like the raunchy comedy. And uh, and this one, you know what? It delivers some good laughs. (laughs) But it also does it in a way that is refreshing because... You know, I look back, it made me think, of the last few years, we've seen what I hope is a, a nice trend in teen comedies mm-hmm. that are smarter and less pandering. If you go back to The Duff. Yeah, I remember uh, you liked that one so the much. the Edge of Seventeen, mm-hmm. even just a few weeks ago, Love, Love Simon. Simon. You've got these scripts that are still funny, but they're treating these teens, and most of the time they're 17. You know, they're all, they're, they're seniors in yes, high school yes, most yes. of the time. Treating them... Not as idiots, no. as people who can take charge of their own lives, think for themselves. Yeah, they can still do stupid things, but you know what? So can adults. And, as this film points out. <laughs> and this film takes that same theme and expands on it. And it, it takes a real well-worn teen comedy cliche. The teens have to have sex before they leave for college. I sure. mean, how I go back to Porky's, back to American Pie, on and on and on. And this one, it turns it sideways in a couple of ways. First of all, because the parents get wind of this, they call it, the, the three girls call it Sex Pact 2018. <laughs> uh, the, the three parents in question that are played by um, Leslie Mann. So brilliant. John Cena. Who Very can, funny. Who continues his breakout to real movie stardom. And Ike Barinholtz, who's been in a lot of different you movies. You probably will recognize funny. him. Yeah, he is funny. Yeah, those, they're the three parents who get wind of this uh, pact. They have to decipher. There's a hilarious bit where they're deciphering the emojis to try to figure <laughs> out what their kids are talking about. And that's pretty funny. So they, they find out what's going on. And then, of course, they set out in the course of the night to stop it and track down their kids at the different parties and the different hotel rooms and uh, put a stop to this. So not only do you get that angle by now the parents involved, but also this is from the point of view of the girls. Which is such a nice change of pace. Yeah, and it, it's it's two guys wrote it, but you've got a woman directing. Right, it's right. Kay Cannon, who is directing her first feature. But she wrote the Pitch Perfect films. And she did a lot of writing for 30 Rock. Nice. So she knows her way around mm-hmm, a comedy, mm-hmm. obviously. I mean, that first Pitch Perfect was pretty decent. It they was, went downhill yeah. from there. They but, did. but anyway, so she has a nice feel for comic pacing, keeps things moving along, keeps things zesty. So yeah, you've got it from a female point of view. Like, look, these, these they're young women taking control of their lives right. and, you know, their social lives, their sexual identities. And so you've got that angle, you've got the parents' angle, 
And then you've just got the fact that it's a it's a sex comedy at its core, <laughs> so you have some raunchy laughs. So get ready for that and some nudity. I laugh. Not the nudity you want to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want to spoil who it is, but um, but you don't want to see. You'll it. get a kick out of it. <laughs> yeah, and there's some you know not every gag is a winner. I mean, some get a little absurd and uh, you know a little outlandish, like a a chugging contest that really goes way wrong, but. But even then, you kind of get the feeling that it's serving the greater purpose of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know, these kids are not being trusted on this night, basically. They're not being trusted. What have they done to not be trusted? Uh, and, and, and at one point, is it no longer your right to be making decisions exactly, for them? Exactly right. So, uh, yeah, it, it's still having fun with that and the fact that, yes, kids still do stupid things. But the fact that, yeah, they're taking control of their destinies, their lives, and it's through the, the lens of the women this time. Mm-hmm. You know? And you're right, that is refreshing. And it's a continuation of, like I said, this trend in teen comedies. And this one specifically, because I don't think the other, any of the other ones I mentioned over the last few years have been quote-unquote sex comedies no. like this one no. is. But you know what? Okay, then but nice. But if you take, like, Superbad, which was brilliant. Right. And very, very similar in the plot, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and and a great movie. And this is a good, I think, counterpart to and that. And it's interesting you bring that up because I noticed in the credits that both Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg mm. are producers. Oh, sure. On the movie. Sure. So, yeah. So, I got a number of, number of laughs out of it so i would recommend uh, blockers and leslie mann we mentioned her before that's the thing i was i was hoping you would circle back yeah. to that cuz you and i were talking about this a little bit ago is if you don't know who she is you really ought to but she doesn't get enough opportunity she doesn't get enough showcases for her wicked comic talent yeah exactly right she has a great showcase here and though for me i think the part the, the parts that she's had in the past where she gets to be mean yes. and funny are even better. She's a great mean funny. Yes, she is. Uh, she's not really mean here, but still, her her timing is right on, and uh, has given her one of the better showcases that she's had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she just rises to the occasion. The whole cast is good. I mean, the the all the parents are good, and uh, and the kids are good as well. So, but she is definitely definitely leads the pack. Yeah, I'd recommend Blockers. Pretty funny. We're going to get animated for the next release this week, set in Japan, Isle of Dogs, follows a boy's odyssey in search of his lost dog. The Japanese archipelago, 20 years in the future. Canine saturation has reached epidemic proportions. An outbreak of dog flu rips through the city of Megasaki. Mayor Kobayashi issues emergency orders, calling for a hasty quarantine. Trash Island becomes an exiled colony. The Isle of Dogs. We get the idea. You're looking for your lost dog spots. Does anybody know him? No. no. Will you help him? Why should I? Because he's a 12-year-old boy. Dogs love those. We'll find him wherever he is. If he's alive, we'll find your dog. Wes Anderson. Either you love him or you don't. <laughs> yeah, you can boy, you can pick out his stuff in a in a heartbeat. Yeah, you really can. He's got such a style, and I am a fan. Yeah, we are too. both fans. Yeah. Uh, and movies I was, like movies such as uh, Moonrise Kingdom, oh yeah, the Grand Budapest, Grand Budapest Hotel, Hotel, Darjeeling Limited, Bottle Rockets goes on and on. Yeah, and he has Royal Tenenbaums. Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, He's very deadpan. He's very precise with his shots. He has a style. meticulous, meticulous. Yeah. He has a style that's all his own. And of course, he already has done one. Animated, animated film, film a few years ago, The Fantastic Mr. Fox, which was really nice. Oh, it was such a great movie. And this is another stop motion animated film. The corrupt mayor of Megasaki 
who hates cats, or excuse me, who <laughs> hates dogs, has used the canine flu epidemic as an excuse to banish all dogs to Trash Island. But his orphan ward is having none of it because <laughs> his dog Spots was the first that got sent to right. Trash Island. So he steals a prop plane and he crash lands and a pack of wild dogs help him find his dog. And it's populated with fantastic voice talent all over the place. Oh, my and God. It's it's led by, you've got Bill Brian Murray. Cranston. You've got Brian Cranston. Jeff Goldblum. Uh, Bob Balaban. Edward um, Norton. Edward Norton. There's Harvey Francis Keitel. McDormand, Francis McDormand. Harvey Keitel. Uh, Greta Gerwig goes on. Yoko Ono. Yeah. Has, I mean, just all over the place. Tilda Swinton. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, it goes on and on. But... And you can you can pick some out right away, especially with characters like Jeff Goldblum and Bill Murray, who are a scream in some of the like Jeff Goldblum's dog likes gossip. He just yeah, and he, he just, just keeps all asking, time. "Have it's you heard hilarious. the rumor?" <laughs> and finally, they're like, "Where are you hearing this stuff?" And this is all dogs talking to each other, and it's yeah, it's it's really a delight and funny in that deadpan way, and it looks fantastic. It tells a nice story, but at the same time, as much as we enjoyed it, you know, you have to call it out for a couple of instances that make you just kind of say, hmm. Yeah, I can't even, I don't even think it's a couple of instances. I mean, the fact that, that the whole film is set in Japan and, and, you know, and so the Japanese culture that they show in so many ways are these incredibly affectionate odes to Japanese cinema, but they're, but yeah, they're, uh, they're cartooned. At the same time, it has the feel of just a postcard touristy version of their entire culture it's and, just white privilege on screen well is that, what that, it is and that, that very much comes into play with greta gerwig's character yeah that's an even bigger problem we don't want to give away the plot but her she voices a, a, an exchange student a from white ohio. yeah from ohio exchange student who really encapsulates a white savior character. And right. I don't know how the filmmakers and the people involved didn't notice that yeah. is beyond me. So it's interesting because one of the things, and, and in very Wes Anderson style, he explains it in his quirky fashion, is that is that all dog barks have been translated for the film to English. Uh, Japanese has been left as Japanese unless there happens to be translator, a mechanical translator, or a foreign exchange student who can help out. Yeah. And and it's, it's an interesting thing that he did it because what it does is ensures that the plot of the film is told from the point of view of the dogs, which is nice. It's, it's, a, it's a very nice, especially for an animated film, it's a nice way to do that. But the other thing that it does, well, the other thing, one of the other things it does is it ensures that people who can speak Japanese are going to get a much richer experience from this movie, and I envy that. But for the majority of American filmgoers, it means that the Japanese characters are they're kept at a distance from you because you cannot understand what they have to say. Right. So it means that the only human, aside from a translator, the only human whose, whose own voice, whose own thoughts you ever understand is this white character from Ohio, and that's really problematic. It is. It, as much as you enjoy the movie, and we both did, and I think it is possible to do both. I mean, we obviously enjoy the movie while still realizing that, ooh, that's a little insensitive. And, you know, there's that point in the movie where there's a mushroom cloud goes off yeah. in this movie. And, uh, well, I mean, that happens in Godzilla. That happens. It does happen in a lot of Japanese but films. When, but when an American exactly, does it. That's what I'm saying. No, I know. I'm with you. Okay. It's, it, it, there's a lot about the film. It seems insensitive. Yes, it very. Does. As delightful as it is. And it is. And especially if you 
either have a dog or don't have a dog and want one. Like well, us. Like we do. <laughs> uh, I mean, look at the title. It's Isle of Dogs. Or Isle of I dogs, love dogs, yeah. I mean, yeah, so you're, you're going to get that. The cat people, maybe not so much because they're portrayed as just evil. Yeah, <laughs> they are. <laughs> they're evil cats. <laughs> we had a cat. We like cats. Yeah, but, but it is. It is. With those, with those areas, can't go unmentioned. No, because it's not just an issue of of cultural insensitivity it is really an issue of cultural appropriation it is uh, uh and insensitivity yeah. <laughs> back to back yeah while, um, while still telling a delightful story a wonderful looking story a very deadpan funny story yeah in typical wes anderson fashion yeah uh so you know those areas uh still of concern we we enjoyed the movie yeah i mean but but you have to point but them it out. makes you uncomfortable yeah and that's isle of dogs not saving the best for last this week, a runaway couple go on an unforgettable journey in the faithful old RV they call the Leisure Seeker. Check it out, 75, Winnebago, Indian. I named it the Leisure Seeker. We've had a lot of wonderful trips in this old rust bucket. I'm finally taking John to see Hemingway's house in Key West. Kids, we won't be gone long. You know that dad can't drive in his condition. Where are we? We're not home. No, hon. This is Pennsylvania. What the dickens are we doing in Pennsylvania? My husband suffers from memory loss, and I'm afraid he might just wander off and get hurt. Promise me something. Don't leave me. Oh, I promise. Our old trips, whenever this adventurous, were they? <laughs> I am so glad to be back on the road again. Is this heaven? Maybe. Do you think a guy can get a burger up here? I had such hopes for this because Helen Mirren, I would like to grow up to be Helen Mirren. <laughs> Who would? Donald Sutherland. Yeah. And they're going to Key West, which is our favorite destination. Right. That's what caught my eye. Not only the, the two leads, but the fact that it's about a trip down to Key West, where it sometimes feels like our second home. We've yep. been there so many times. It's a story about an older couple taking a bucket list trip from their home in Massachusetts to the Hemingway House mm -hmm. in Key West. Because Donald Sutherland's character is a retired lit professor, mm -hmm. and he's always idolized Hemingway. So they're going to go down there and visit before his memory fades away completely. Because right. he's having some serious memory issues, and uh, she's had to deal with that. So, yeah, you've got those two great veteran actors, and it's just it's just wasted with so much shtick and cheap sentiment. I mean, right away, it becomes, obviously, it's a road trip, right? Mm -hmm. You hate road trip movies. Well, I don't mind them. I don't mind them. Now, but... this one, I'll give it, this one, the reason for the road trip is much more organic, mm -hmm. much more sensible. Mm -hmm. All right, I get that. But then it just falls prey to that common problem with road trips. We're just going to string together a series of interconnected, of, of non, I should say, a series of non-connected hijinks. We're just going to connect them with the fact that we're on the road. Yep. We're going to go stop here and do this crazy thing. And that that aside, then it brings up some serious issues about aging. Yeah. Not just the memory loss, but other things too. Mm -hmm. And it either... Laughs you know, them off? It either laughs them off, yeah, or just makes them seem not as consequential as mm -hmm. they are, mm -hmm. you know. It's just superficial treatment just of superficial, it. superficial, yeah, between the two things. And the writing is... The writing is so forced. I mean, they, they make these two great actors work so hard as they go toward a conclusion you can see coming miles away. And, and sometimes that's okay. It's how do you get there? It's, it's a darn shame because it's hardly, hardly ever funny or cute. It's just, it's always takes the lowest 
low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's do crazy things with old people. Like maybe they'll shoot a gun or ride a motorcycle or talk some sex or so. <laughs> you know, they're going, they're they're poking fun only because they're old. Mm-hmm. That's where the joke is, mm-hmm. just because they're old. And that's so, it's so late. It's disrespectful. It's Yeah, and, and it really undercuts the premise of the entire movie. And I was very obviously disappointed in the leisure seeker. So let's move on to the lobby for the new releases on home video. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Well, first one up in the home video section this week. We like horror, but we were disappointed by Insidious, The Last Key. Yes, did not care for it. Just and a you know, mishmash of ideas. None of them worked out. Go back to the very original Insidious. We liked it. Very much. Yeah. Uh, this one, no. It, th- by now, you're just, the only character left is Lynn Shay's character. Yeah. The, the medium, the yeah. clairvoyant. Well, you've got her uh, helper monkeys. Right, that's right. But this but is a prequel. around her now. Yes, this is really when she's first coming into her own, and so she has to go back to the house she grew up in because... There's evil lurking there. And, you know, one of the things that I thought was really disappointing was that the trailer for it was pretty great because there's a moment where all these people open these cells and they come out and they're very, you know, alarming looking. And it's led by... But guess what? Yeah, the scene isn't in the movie. I know. (laughs) I know. For me, it's the kind of horror that does nothing for me. Jump scares, red herrings, music stabs, just... Uh, boring. Yeah. I thought it was just utterly boring. Agreed. Uh, also, a movie this week is out on DVD called Thelma. Another horror film. This one is a foreign language film, and it deals with an overprotected daughter who is heading off to college. And it's interesting in that... Is she trying to have sex before she goes? <laughs> she is trying to have sex <laughs> after she gets there, and that causes all manner of troubles. Uh, and it's just interesting. It's a, it's a lot of slow reveal in this movie. And, and I love the way you think they've set up a pretty common trope and you think that it's taking you in one direction, and it's really inverting all of those expectations all the way through to the very climax of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, the lead performance is wonderful. So so it's a slow burn of a movie. Mm-hmm. I would say borderline horror, but it's it's spooky. It's a thriller for sure, and I enjoyed Thelma. Nice. A great documentary is out this week, one that I could not believe did not get nominated for Best Documentary at the Oscars. Last Hell, we thought it was going to win. I thought it had a good chance. It's called Jane, documentary about Jane Goodall, the uh, very famous and legendary uh, researcher of chimpanzees. And it, it tells her story with, I mean, the, the footage is just priceless. It has interviews with her present day. She's now in her 80s, reminiscing on her story. And it's the director is blessed with all this 16-millimeter footage that was shot by the man that became her eventual husband because he was a National Geographic cameraman who was sent to once her reportings when she was a young woman there living with the chimpanzees once it started to gain some notoriety then national geographic sent uh hugo van lawrick i believe is his his name to take some footage and it's it's just wonderful you you get two senses of discovery you're you're discovering her as a younger woman, as she is discovering these chimps, and it's it's just totally wonderful. Uh, and then you get to watch her watch herself as a younger <laughs> woman, and then there's that layer about it. And it's it's educational on not only from the fronts of learning about the chimps, but learning about that entire project and her personality. She's a fascinating person. Oh, I'm sure. And man, I was just again, I'm just floored. It wasn't nominated. Definitely recommend Jane. 
out this week. And one more on home video, Sweet Virginia. This uh, was a, an, an independent film, didn't get a lot of a wide release, and actually took a while to come out on, in home entertainment, so I was a little surprised about that. It's a thriller, kind of a modern-day noir, and John Bernthal stars as... He's always good. He is always good. And uh, he's a former rodeo star. He's decrepit and beaten down and he is running a motel called the sweet virginia and there's a, a surprise murder in the town there's also kind of a weird new guest at the sweet virginia whose dad was a big fan of rodeo who's kind of clung has begun to clung to to john brenthal's character it's a really enjoyable little hard-boiled noir mm-hmm. uh, uh i enjoyed it and i thought brenthal was great nice well, definitely some good stuff in the movie theaters out on wide release this week. A Quiet Place, Blockers, Isle of Dogs, good stuff to choose from. So let us know what you thought about those or any more that you want to talk about. We're always up for it. Easiest way to find us is on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Instagram and Facebook, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. The main website, madwolf.com, you can check out all our written reviews and also hit us up on our other podcast if you like horror movies as much as we do. You can find our Fright Club podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, next week, Dwayne Johnson is back. We can't go a week or two without a Dwayne Johnson movie, can we? No, I don't think we can. He certainly makes enough of them. He's back in Rampage and another scary movie. Got our fingers crossed that it's good. I don't know, called Truth or Dare. Those are the big releases coming next week. So get in touch if you can. Until next week. Screening Room Podcast, the presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and the Marcus Crosswoods Theater. I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. <laughs>